This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hi, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your day is treating you well. Today, I wanted to start off our podcast explaining to you the new podcast graphic. I got a text into the podcast phone line asking for me to talk about kind of why I chose what I chose. And I thought this would be a really good opportunity for me to tell you. So the story behind that photo is that I am someone who loves taking self-portraits. I don't know if you know this, but I actually studied photojournalism in college and we had to do self-portraiture as part of our assignments. And I really loved the art of self-portraiture. This was like before selfies were a thing. And I have done so many self-portrait projects in the past. I've talked before about like the insecurity series. I used to do um, self-portraits every day for a year, like these 365 day projects on this website called Flickr. If you are an old Flickr user, you should definitely do me because <laughs> we have a lot in common. Um, so I used to do that and self-portraiture has just been a way in which I have in my life been able to kind of explore how I'm feeling inside through visual art. And I took this portrait that is the cover photo uh, at my now husband's then boyfriend's home. And when way back in maybe 2015, 2016, and it was kind of this time of my life where I was going much deeper into my purpose. I was going much deeper into like what I thought I was capable of, what was available to me as a person. And I was feeling unworthy of all the things that were available to me, both in career and in love and in friendship and exploring through portraiture kind of like light and dark and this like beautiful world that's available to us and how much like I want to hide sometimes from these like amazing things that can happen in our lives and so this portrait I have another portrait that is I think the profile picture for my medium page um that are from the same series. There's one where I'm like looking into the light and then one where I'm hiding. And so I picked this one kind of as 
a step into this like new phase of the podcast where I feel like I'm choosing quality over quantity. You know, I'm giving more of me to the podcast. Um, I think last year I loved the podcast in the past and don't get me wrong, like I've always loved it. But as I grow and change, I think it will grow and change with me, of course. And last year, it started to feel like I was kind of using the Enneagram as almost a, a framework or a crutch. Crutches may be a strong word, but, you know, it's kind of like, okay, we talk about creativity and then we put the creativity into the Enneagram framework. And it started to feel kind of plug and play and kind of like okay, every Enneagram one needs to know not to be perfect, not to try strive for perfection. Every type four needs to learn that they're, you know, they have everything inside of themselves in order to be fulfilled. And so applying these things to these topics, it started to feel a little bit redundant. And I wanted to create the podcast this year in a way where the Enneagram was an asset that came in to add more depth, not a constraint that I felt like we had to fit everything to that model, if that makes sense. So kind of going into, I want the Enneagram to be part of our self-care, our personal growth and our creativity, but not the source of those things, you know? So, I picked this photo because not only does is it significant to me personally as an image of allowing yourself more than you think that you are capable of or worthy of, but also as kind of an invitation to potential viewers, potential listeners, to meet us in a place of depth and complexity. You know, I think a lot of times... My last photo was kind of like me smiling at the camera, bright orange shirt on, had like a kind of online marketer vibe, and I wanted to meet you as a poet, right? Like as like the artistic version of me, the creative self, that like deep and complex version of myself, not the polished internet version. So yeah, that was kind of the thought behind the photo. I, um, you know, I hope that you all like it. <laughs> I didn't really ask, I guess. But I, it feels in alignment for me. So I have to trust that that's the right thing to do, you know? But so far, the feedback has been good. Um, let's, let's talk about today's topic. Today, we are debunking the myth that creativity is only for creatives. So, First, before we even get into it, I want you to do me a favor and just for a moment, think back to your childhood and the first things that come to your mind, don't overthink it, but what were your three favorite things to do as a kid? For me, it was journaling, adventuring, making pottery out of the mud on the banks of the creek. I love to pretend to have a bunch of different jobs and I love to choreograph dances. So often we are creative as children or even imaginative. And then somewhere in middle school, we're told to pick a path. 
Are you left-brained or right-brained? Are you math and science or are you English and art? And this emphasis on binaries leads to kind of two distinct outcomes in my experience. First, you see a person who's chosen or maybe they're led down a path that's not creative. Um, and they tend to lose passion for life and maybe interest in play and expression. Or they feel like this is something they could have had, but now they can't. Or you see a person led down the creative path and they feel like they're a failed artist if they do a job that's not in the creative industry. Maybe they work in an office while feeling like they are somehow letting their artist self down by having a solid bank account and health insurance. Now, to me, both of these outcomes are tragic, right? Not only because we're putting creativity in the wrong place in our lives, overemphasizing its relationship to our ability to pay our bills as our sense of worth, but it's also not even true. Like this whole binary that we are either right-brained or left-brained is a concept proven inaccurate. The myth is that everyone has a dominant hemisphere or their side of the brain. Either left-brained people are thought to be logical and good with math and language, while right-brained people are thought to be more creative and artistic. Now, there is no scientific evidence that individuals use one half of their brain more than the other, or that there is an imbalance in the two sides at all, in that it explains your personality. In fact, a group of neuroscientists at the University of Utah studied over 1,000 participants and found no evidence of individuals having stronger left or right brain networks. The left brain, right brain idea is considered a neuromyth. So let's talk about the harm that this neuromyth can cause. First, in a sample of 242 teachers, 90% agreed with the statement, differences in left brain, right brain preference can help explain individual differences among learners. Meaning 90% of the teachers polled believed that either your left brain or your right brain, which we know is not true, and that that's going to change who you are as a student. This is scary because the belief in our teachers that you're either creative or you're logical can impact the way that they instruct specific students or groups of students and can result in unconscious biases about a given student's academic abilities. For example, a teacher thinking that a student is labeled as a right-brainer can't do math or someone left-brained isn't going to be interested in art. We have this situation, right, where our teachers are, you know, and, and by no fault of their own, like there's trainings that teach this to our teachers. So that are like being taught, this is how to teach your students based off of brain science. Um, it's, and it's based off of myth. Some of this elements, right, are based off of myth, the whole left brain, right brain phenomenon. That puts in the teacher's mind, right? There's people who are left brain, people who are right brained. Left brain people are gonna be really good at math. Right brain people are gonna be really good at art. But then, to take that into the student experience, it can really impact the belief that the students have in their ability to perform. Research has shown that their students' own beliefs in their self-efficacy can impact how well they perform, meaning a student who believes they're right-brained, assumes that they're going to be bad at math, becomes a fixed belief, meaning 
oh, I'm bad at math. I'll always be bad at math. This is just who I am. And then they lose their connection to the belief in their ability to grow in this area. So these are pretty serious implications, right? Like this myth has pretty serious consequences for students, especially. But then the third thing is that it pathologizes humans as either logical or creative, when in reality, we are all always both. Kind of the gist of the harm here is that we're creating these binaries of either you're creative or you're not creative. And if you are creative, then you're going to struggle with logical thinking. And if you are logical, you're going to struggle with creative thinking. And you probably don't even, you know, we de-emphasize the importance of creativity so easily in our society that if you're logical brain, like let's just focus on how much you can produce for us as a society. Now, when we're debunking myth, it's always important for me to tell you what I'm not saying because I think it's so easy to make assumptions. So I wanna be clear here that I'm not saying that people don't have a tendency toward analytical thinking or creative thinking. It's just not proven to be biological, meaning the research doesn't support that as a brain function. The second thing I'm not saying is that there aren't differences in the way that people use their brains. There's a quote from Stephen M. Coslin and G. Wayne Miller, who wrote a book on this exact thing. I want to share the quote from Stephen M. Coslin and G. Wayne Miller, who wrote the book Top Brain, Bottom Brain. They say, we have developed a new theory built on another frequently overlooked anatomical division of the brain and it into its top and bottom parts. Among other things, the top part sets up plans and revises those plans when expected events do not occur. The bottom classifies and interprets what we perceive. Based on decades of research, the theory holds that this distinction can help explain why individuals vary in how they think and behave. We all use both parts of the brain, but differ in how deeply we use each part. Now, you know, kind of continuing on from this quote, I just want to say oftentimes, right, we're, we notice that we develop these pathways of behavior based off of consequence and reward. So if we're given a binary, we're rewarded for our behavior that supports logical thinking, and we receive consequences for the part of our behavior that is more toward creative expression, then it's going to be much more ingrained in us. We're more likely to use more of our logical brain, less of our creative brain. Therefore, as adults becoming much more solidified in you're not a creative person, you don't do creative things because we've been rewarded for, for one and, and consequences have been shown for the other, right? So we, t we really strongly lean into one or the other. <coughs> You can see how this could put us into these binaries, how this could show up in our lives as I'm not a creative person, I don't need creativity, or I don't have a strong desire for creative expression, or I'm just not good at that, or that's not available to me, and then show up for creatives as all I can do is creativity, but how am I gonna get paid to do that? I'm, I, and if I do something else, I'm a failure for, for having not lived up to my artist's potential. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. 
Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that's where, you know, that's how we get into these like harmful situations when it comes to our creativity or how we shut creativity down. The third thing I'm not saying is that we should all be the same or there's some way that we should strive to be. You know, maybe you don't relate to being a creative person. I'm not saying that you need to learn how to be one. Or maybe you are a creative person who doesn't want to work a nine-to-five job. I'm not implying that you should work in corporate America. We all, But I just want to really iterate here that we all have access to our creativity and to our logic. So don't cut yourself off from who you could be and things that could offer more nourishment to you because it's not who you've typically been. And I think this is important because we all do benefit from creative expression, whether that's self-expression or the stress relief of having time to make something, or even if it's just having other people see you or having something to do with your mind that's kind of restful or peaceful or expansive. I also believe that we all benefit from freedom around how we choose to make a living in a capitalistic society. Like the reality is, especially if you live in the States, like we have to, like we don't, most people who are artists, it's very rare to get paid as an artist. And it's not a failure to have to fund your art some other way. And I think so often, right, when we have this, we talked about Monday, this all or nothing mentality that we feel like in order to be an artist, in order to be a creative, then I have to be, in order to be a successful creative, then I have to be funding my, my creativity as my main job. But some of the best artists in the world aren't full-time artists, right? Some of the most talented people in the world aren't the most famous people in the world. And I don't think that we should limit our belief and our creative expression in proportion to how much it funds us economically, right? Our bank account and our artistic ability are not, should not be so intertwined so that our worth as an artist is based off of how much money we can accumulate through our art. I see so many great artists really beat themselves up because that's not the way they're making their living. And I, I hate that for them because 
that doesn't, it's irrelevant to the importance of their creative expression. The other reason that I think this is important is it invites us into a fixed mindset around our personality. The very concept of you are either a creative or you're a logical brained person or you're analytical or you're creative implies that you are or you are not, meaning not what you're doing, it's it's who you are. And I, I believe anyone's creative that is creating, anyone's creative that is living, the very act of living and being is a creative act of showing up every day and deciding how to be a person. And so I just want to encourage you to not see yourself as kind of as fixed or static or you are what you are, you are what you'll always be. I want to invite you into playing with the freedom to, as someone who's been traditionally led to believe they're analytical, to play in the realm of creativity, to find nourishment in poetry, to find nourishment in painting or making pottery or having some sort of self-expression, like self-portraiture that surprises you. And then for creatives to give yourself the freedom to not have to be the best or nothing at all. You know, either you make a, you're a full-time painter or you're not a painter at all, right? Allowing yourself to have creativity, all of us, allowing creativity to be a source of self-care and knowing that it belongs to everyone. It's not for just the select chosen few who get to do it as their job, which kind of takes us back to that first debunking episode that we did, that you are not your personality. You are not a creative, you create. You are not analytical. You, you, you use analytical thinking as a person every day. So I just wanna just pause for a second and do a little recap here and just clarify, right? We've proven that there are not some people who are left-brained, some people who are right-brained. The research does not support it. Meaning you, my analytical friend, probably have a lot of creativity to share and you, my creative friend, could benefit a lot from your analytical mind. So allow your, you know, allow yourself to access the fullness of what it means to be human and enjoy and appreciate your ability to dance between those two things. And just do me a favor. I want you to answer the question I'm about to ask you without too much thought, just the first things that come to mind. And really think about, you just kind of like pop out, you know, the first five things that you think of. Finish this sentence. I think it would be really fun to learn how to do pottery, to learn how to paint, to learn how to keep my own books in the business, to learn how to build shelves. What is it for you? What would be fun to learn how to do? And let yourself explore beyond how you thought you always were. And be as creative as you want to be, because creativity is not just for the select few. It's for all of us. And it's my favorite form of self-care. Now, let me know if there is a self-help myth that you would like me to debunk. Call or text it in to 828-338-9127 or text me. DM me on Instagram at Sarah Jane Case. As always, it's an absolute joy to create this content for you. And I'll see you Friday for the next one.
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.